Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, December the 25th, 2021. It is currently 1128 a.m. Central Time. And yes, I'm here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And yes, I'm very aware that it's Christmas Day. I'm very aware, and I know that most Christian podcasts are not live on Christmas. Even famous, you know, uh, radio talk shows, they're not live on Christmas Day. I know everyone is off doing the, the, the different things for Christmas, and that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly acceptable. But for me, I just feel like if I'm not at church on Christmas Day, I just feel like, well, I just feel like then let's stop claiming that it's about Jesus, right? If I'm not at church on Christmas Day, if I'm not, you know, studying God's Word, doing something scriptural on Christmas Day, then let's not pretend that it's about Jesus and let's just be honest that it's about ourselves. Is it about Jesus or is it about us? Well, what really determines that is what you do on Christmas Day. If on Christmas Day it's not about Jesus, then it's not really about Jesus. And it, and look, if you don't want to make it about Jesus, you want to make it about you, that's fine. Just don't claim that it's something other. Don't Just don't claim that it's anything different because, I mean, I drove past plenty of churches today and they're all, you know, locked, locked down. Everyone is home. I'm not, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not making any condemnation about that. I'm just saying it's, sometimes it's weird that we yell at the world, Jesus is the reason for the season. And then on Christmas, <laughs> we're involved in all of the same activities that the world is opening presents, eating food, watching sports. What? And, and I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. I'm just saying that we have to maybe at least try to demonstrate that we, we were going to spend some time pondering, thinking, contemplating the things of God on Christmas day. All right. I could turn that into its own sermon. Um, I, I would have preferred typically our, the tradition of this church is no matter when, what day Christmas falls on, we always have a Christmas Day service here at the church. Either Christmas morning, Christmas afternoon, Christmas evening, we always do so. This year, we we had to make some changes because a, a, some, some, a, a, I, won't, I can't say a large number. There was a, a considerable size, a, a number of people, let's state it that way, a number of people who had to work today. Um, they were first responders, work in medical world. And so um, they were not going to be able to participate. So it just made sense that to, to, to try to accommodate as many people as possible. So we moved it to yesterday evening. Um, I, I, felt, I felt like I was committing some kind of sin because I'm like, no, we, we need to be at church on Christmas Day. So I knew that no matter what everyone else was doing, I was going to make sure I was right here. And I don't say that. Make it very, I'm going to make this very clear. I'm not sitting here because I'm more spiritual than anybody else. I want to make this, I want to be as transparent as I can be. When I woke up, I'm just going to be honest with you. I almost considered not coming because I didn't want to be here. I have other things I wanted to do. There's lots of things I want to do today. And I almost said, you know what? Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to go, oh, wait, he didn't record something on Christmas. It, it's not even about, it wasn't even about whether I produced any podcast episodes. It was just like, 
I I have to force myself to go and just try to it, d- take some time today and make it about the things of God. I have to. And it and and it's not because I'm more spiritual, it's because I'm it's the lack of spirituality in me that I'm trying to fight because everything in me said, "Hey, Hey, go listen to some music, watch some television shows, you know, do this. Like, oh, there, there's all these other things I could do, right? But I, so I had to f- combat that. I had to fight what was in me. I'm here not because I'm more spiritual. I'm here because I'm, I'm less spiritual. So I'm trying to, con- I'm trying to fight, die to self, deny self is what I'm trying to do. Self said, don't go, just, just relax, have a great Christmas. Spend, do this, do, enjoy this, do that. And, and I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Got to fight my, fight that. So I am here simply trying to fight that. Not here to make a point. Now, there were times in my Christian life, it, it, in the Christian life at times, so we are so made up of so many motivations. Like at, at any given time, we have to constantly contemplate what is our actual motivations for what we're doing. There was a time in my Christian life that I felt like the reason we were having church services was more to make a point. Hey, all the other churches don't, we're here. And, and, and I had to kind of fight against that because I'm like, we're not, we shouldn't be here to make a point. We should be here because we want to worship Christ and we want to spend time thinking about God's word. So I, I hope I'm not here to make a point other than to fight against my own lack of spirituality. So what I'm doing is not because I'm spiritual, it's because I'm not spiritual. What I'm doing is not because I'm godly, it's because I'm ungodly. And I know this, that to constantly fight against my own ungodliness and lack of spirituality, well, you have to put forth some work and effort. So that's why I am here. I know that's not what this episode is really supposed to be about, but I just wanted to be honest. I didn't want to go because either people are going to be like, well, oh, he's just there to make a point, which I, I will acknowledge I've done that in the past, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm just fighting against my own lack of spirituality because I wanted to do what I wanted to do today and I'm going to fight against that. So maybe, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Everyone will have their own judgments about it. But that's why I am here, and I think that it's a perfect time. Oh, there's so much I want to – there is so much I want to talk about. A new Bible is being released in May, and we have some of the first looks of this new Bible. They've made like 20 – I think and, – and, and hang on. Let me look up the note. I don't want to give you the wrong number because it's numbers, and I'm horrible at memorizing numbers. Um, let me go here. I saved it in my notes. 20,000 revisions. A new edition of the Bible has 20,000 revisions. Yeah, I think we're going to have a little bit of controversy coming. So you heard it here first on the Theology Central podcast. It's, 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 I think it's available in a digital format already so we can start looking at it, but it will be put together. It will be made available in print in May, and it's going to have 20,000 revisions. So I think we're, we're, you're going to hear about the controversy in 2022. Just don't forget where you heard about the controversy first, Theology Central Podcast. We'll definitely be talking about that news story coming up soon, all right? But we can't talk about that now, all right? Because right now we have a visitor. Thomas Akempis has walked through the front door of the church 
and he's sitting here right here next to me. Okay, not literally, because Thomas Kempis has been dead for over 500 years, but I have his words right here in the imitation of Christ. We've been working on this for a long time. We are in book two, chapter four. And if you heard the discussion yesterday, you know we are in one of a, a very convicting and I think a very important chapter. Now, remember, we don't agree with everything Thomas Akempis has written in this book. We don't agree with all of his theology. The reason we're looking at the book is, one, it gives us an opportunity to turn off all of the noise of the world, to ponder, to contemplate, to think about, to meditate on things related to God and Christianity. So I think the book is very beneficial for that. And I think it's written in a way that leads to that kind of meditation and contemplation. And another reason we're looking at this book is because of its massive influence on Christians from all different streams of theology. Like, even though he comes from one clear theological perspective, its influence has gone way beyond that. And it's, it's been considered and, and been listed on a number of lists for one of the most influential books in church history. I can't remember where it falled. It was like the top 50 influential books in, in church history. And this was, I think, in the top 20, maybe in the top 30. I can't remember. But um, so this book is influential. So I thought we would just look at it for its own historical value. But there is a lot here to contemplate. So are you ready? We're in book two, chapter four. The chapter is called Simplicity and Purity. Simplicity and Purity. Now, before we did anything else, we started breaking down the title And I wanted to focus on the word purity first because I know as soon as we hear the word purity, there's a tendency within some aspects of Christianity to immediately think of purity in regards to sex. And I think we need to have a a deeper and a more broad understanding of purity because so many times, like anytime we hear of purity, it's about as long as you're pure sexually, as long as you don't commit a sexual sin, there's a million other things you can do that's perfectly okay and nobody will seem to say much. Like the sexual sin, crucify, controversy, scandal, I can't believe it. All of these other areas where we lack purity, eh, eh, no big deal. And I said that purity has to be understood as conformity to God's holiness to God's morality in thought, or let me do it this way, because I think this will make sense. Purity has to be understood as conformity to God's holiness, God's morality in mind, heart, and body. What do I mean by that? Mind and our thinking. And again, we immediately want to go, see, okay, so you're talking about lustful thoughts. Stop taking purity and just connecting it to sex. A lack of conformity to God and our thinking can be just wrong thinking about so many different perspectives. So many, it can be wrong thinking about how we think about other people, wrong thinking about how we think about certain situations, wrong. It, it can be a lack of, of conforming to God in so many areas in our thinking. Uh, for example, my thinking this morning was, I don't want to go spend time thinking about the things of God. I want to spend time this morning doing what I want to do. And that was all happening in my thinking. My thinking was, I think about self before God. So there was a lack of purity in my thinking. But that, see, that won't, nobody cares about that because it's like, well, as long as it's not a sinful sexual thoughts, you're okay. 
because we always reduce purity to that. And I think that that's, I think that's been very detrimental to the church. We've turned Christianity into a behavioral modification that's obsessed with sex behavior. And it's like, no, Christianity is more than just sex. It's more than just trying to make sure people don't commit sex at the wrong time in the wrong with the wrong person. It, it, that's that's it's got to be more than that. So it's, it's purity in thought, right? In other words, conformity to God in thought, in heart, in my emotions and my desires. Again, my thinking this morning is, well, I I think I want to stay home because my desire. And my heart wasn't pure because it was selfish. It wanted to be about me. It wanted to be about me, right? That, that's a lack of purity in heart. We want to say purity in heart deals with sex. It's more than that. And then body is in our actions, and which would then include, well, things like sex and other things as well. And, um, and, and what we do with our body, with our actions. So purity is a conformity to God in mind, heart, and body, not just in relation to sex. I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress that enough. All right. Um, we, you, and I'll just use this as an illustration because this morning an article was released about basically a critique of the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And they were critiquing the podcast because they believe the podcast did not really get to the root or heart of the problem, that it kind of just put the issue on Mark Driscoll was a jerk. He was a bad guy, but they felt that the, the, the issues that led to the rise and fall of Mars Hill were more, uh, can be found throughout Christian, that in other words, there's, there's something within the evangelical world that leads to those problems and they focus too much on Mark Driscoll. Now, you, whether you agree with the critique or disagree with the critique, it got me thinking. Mark Driscoll did a lot of crazy things, said a lot of crazy things, and got away with it, and got away with it. And there was a lot of major issues going on in the church and got away with it. And there was a lot of major issues that people were aware of. And you could talk about there was some pride issues and anger issues. And there was a lot of clear spiritual issues going on, and nobody did anything about it. But just change the scenario of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. That Mark Driscoll, when, when, when all of those other issues were going on that nobody considered, what if it was discovered that Mark Driscoll had a porn problem or that he had some inappropriate uh, actions online right, in regards to something sex or something with a, someone of the opposite sex? It would have been over. It would have been the rise and fall of Mars Hill and like 2.2 seconds, because if it would have been a sexual impurity, then everybody would have been like, that's it, the end, he's done. But because there were all kinds of other lack of purity and thinking and actions and motivations and desires, a lot of that was just overlooked. And I think that there's, a, I, I, look, you may disagree. I just think that we, we, when it comes to purity, we need a, a better look. And I know I'm repeating a lot of what I said yesterday, but I just think it needs to be repeated, right? So there's purity. Then we looked at simplicity, simplicity, and this one, I, 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 we've got to spend some time re reminding ourselves about it because it's just so important, all right? Simplicity here is, is defined as the state of being simple, uncomplicated, uncompounded. Simplicity can also be a lack of subtlety, 
It can refer to innocence. It can refer to folly or silliness. That doesn't seem to be what the simplicity here would be referring to. It's a freedom from pretense or guile. All right? It's, it's, it's a restraint in, in, in outward, you know, decorating something up outwardly. So the idea of simplicity spiritually would be, hey, it's, it's being uncomplicated. It's not, it's not, it's, we're, we're, we're very simple. We're very straightforward. We, we, uh, we have no pretense. We have, uh, we're very direct. We uh, have restraint and just trying to co- decorate everything up into something that it isn't. So we need subtlety, we need simplicity. I keep wanting to say subtlety. Simplicity and purity in our Christian life. Now, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about simplicity here in a minute because I think we'll figure out what Thomas Akempis is trying to say, right? So here we go. Let's go back to the first paragraph. Let's read it quickly. By two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly. So if you want to rise up from the things of the earth, and remember, from from a Christian perspective, we're not to love the things of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. If we're going to rise above the, the things of the world, or as he says, by two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly. There are two wings that will lift you up from being worldly. And these two wings are simplicity and purity. Here, are the, here, here they are. Namely, by simplicity and purity. Now, according to Thomas Akempis, so we can understand the purity part. We've broken that down. What does he mean by simplicity? Well, I think we're going to get an idea right here. Simplicity ought to be in our intention. Now, that gives us an idea of what he's referring to. Our intention should be simple. In other words, it should not be complicated. It should not be compounded. It should not be, it should be direct. It should be clear. And what he means by simplicity in our intentions is that as a Christian, my intention, my purpose, my desire as a Christian should be to glorify God. My purpose in life is God's glory. It's not me. It's sometimes we, we, we are not simple in the fact that we have too many other desires and motivations. And what Thomas Akempis is saying, if you want to rise above the earth, you need to have simplicity in your intention. Your intention must be God-focused. It must be directed on God. And purity in our affection. So simplicity in your intentions, singly focused, simple, not com- complicated, not complex, I'm going to glorify God. And in your affections, what you desire, there should be purity in those affections. Your, 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 your affection, your desire is given to that which is pure, not which that is ungodly. Simplicity tends towards God. So simplicity tends towards God. It moves towards God because that's what your intention is. It's God. And purity apprehends and tastes him. Now, I, I could go back and say more but I've already spent too much time doing other things. You can go back and listen to part one. Now, we're just going to work on the next paragraph. That's all we're going to work on. Here we go. No good action will hinder you if you be inwardly free from inordinate affection. No good action will hinder you now, right there, just, again, Thomas Akempis writes these things in ways that we have to just spend, 
you can spend hours meditating on almost every sentence. It's just, the book is just so amazing for this, all right? So I had to think about this. How could a good action hinder me? How could a good action hinder me? Well, according to him, so so we we could we could we we need to take that apart in some way, but at least for now, this may give us a clue. So here's a good action, and if you don't want that good action to hinder you spiritually speaking, then inwardly you have to be free from an inordinate affection. So I'm assuming if if it's a good action, if it's my own good action, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out a couple of concepts. I do good, right? I do good. So, for example, let's just say that you agree that by me giving up doing what I wanted to do this morning to come here to the church, let's say that that was a good action. But that good action could harm me if I have an inordinate affection in order like to elevate self for for pride or for praise. In other words, if that good action could actually be a, a source of hindrance, if my affection, if my desire is not right when it comes to that good, good action. In other words, a good action can actually be detrimental to me if my affection or desire is inordinate or not right or not properly placed. You can do good things for the wrong and you have a wrong desire in doing the good thing. Some people will do a good thing, let's say giving to a church or giving to a ministry or, or doing something in the church, and if they don't get enough thank you or enough praise, then they get very upset, and it actually, that good action becomes harmful to them because now they're filled with bitterness, anger, and upset because they did so with an inordinate affection. They wanted ultimately praise. They wanted recognition. You can do it once your if your good action is being done with an inordinate affection, then the good action will become detrimental in your spiritual advancement. That's a lot to contemplate there. So no good action will will hinder you. You can you 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 won't be hindered if you have the right affection, if you have the right desire. If you're free from an inordinate affection. If you intend and seek nothing else but the will of God and the good of your neighbor, you shall thoroughly enjoy inward liberty. Now, see, this goes back to simplicity. See, so good action can actually be detrimental if you have the wrong affection, if you have the wrong desire. That good action must be, and the only way to have the right desire is to have the right intention. Then the only way to have the right intention is you must have simplicity. So that, again, the two key elements for Thomas Akempis in your Christian life is simplicity and purity. Simplicity in your intentions, purity in your affections. So now you have a good action and you're like, well, a good action. There's nothing I need to worry about. I did good. I did good. But if your good has a wrong affection or a wrong intention, in other words, if you have the wrong affection, and you don't have simplicity in your intention, the very good will become that which hinders you and that which is detrimental to your true spiritual growth. 
So he mentions a good thing. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us what the good thing is because that gives you the ability to, to insert any good thing that you have done. So you have a good action. Now, a good action hinders you if you have a wrong inward affection. So you do good and you have to say, well, what is my, what is my affection? And if it's an inordinate affection, a wrong affection, a wrong desire, a wrong feeling, a wrong motivation, then that good thing is going to become detrimental. But here's what you can do to, to, to help yourself. If you focus on nothing else but the will of God and the good of other people, if all your if your if your intention is so simple that all you care about is the will of God, or we could say the glory of God, right? The, we'll say three things: the glory of God, the will of God, and the good of others. If your intentions are kept that simple, what do you care about? What's your intention? To glorify God, to do God's will and to benefit or minister to other people. That's all I care about. That's the only three things I care about. God's glory, God's will, and other people. If you do that, then according to Thomas Akempis, you will, you will enjoy inward liberty. Inside, you're going to have liberty. You're going to, you're not going to be, it's not going to be all com, convoluted and complicated. It's not going to be all, it, it's, it's easy to protect your affections. It's easy to protect your intentions. You mean you, but you have to have simplicity in your intention and you have to ensure you have purity in your affections. Why am I doing what I'm doing? To glorify God. Well, that's a pure affection. What, why am I doing this? To obey the will of God. That's a pure affection. That's a simple intention. What am I doing? To benefit others. To benefit others. Now, if I turn on this microphone, right? And I record a podcast. What is my intention? What is my affection? What is my desire? If my desire is praise, then the good that I'm doing becomes, well, messed up and I destroy it. that, That good intention will, that good action will become detrimental. When I turn on this microphone, what I have to care about is God's glory, not my glory, God's will, not my will, and your good, not my pray, not me getting praise. Now, I'll be honest, there's plenty of times I've turned on microphones and it's not about God's glory, God's will. It's about my will, my glory, and my praise. And you can say, oh, that's horrible. Well, I, I bet you there's plenty of times you've done the same thing in your life. If you're a wife, your good actions as a wife, doing what you're called to do as a wife, it must be done for God's glory, God's will, and the benefit of others, not for you to be praised or you to get whatever you, like sometimes we do good things in order to get what we want. I I worked with someone when I was first in the military. We went to tech school together. He claimed to be a Christian. And um, there were times I would get very frustrated with his approach to work because his approach to work seemed to be make sure I do the right things around the right people so that I can get the right recognition so that I can advance in my military career. But he put it that he was doing these things because it was he wanted that he was trying to do these things to benefit his family and that he's a Christian. He's, he has a responsibility to take care of his family. But it just seemed that everything he did was with a he had a scheme in order to advance himself. Now, I'm not saying 
everything about this was wrong because obviously in a job you want to advance. But in my opinion, well, we're in the medical world. What we should be doing is worrying about what's best for the patients, not what's best for us. And sometimes taking a stand for the patients can actually put you at odds with sometimes people in the medical community who seem to be more worried about everything else. And I, I constantly found myself in conflict with many in the, in, the, in the medical world because I'm like, we have a, does anyone care about the actual patient, right? We can't care about it. But it, sometimes it was like, no, I'm doing this so that I can advance. Well, no, it, it, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the patient, Right. And, 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 I, and I'm not saying I always had the right attitude because I had enough of my own issues. But there were just times it felt like what everything you do is in order to advance yourself. There's a little bit of all of that, right? A wife can do certain things because she, she's trying to manipulate the situation to get something she wants. A husband can do certain things in order to try to manipulate to get something he wants. The Christian approach is... I've got to have simplicity in my intentions. What's my intentions? God's will, God's glory, the benefit of others. What should be my affection? My affection, I should desire and love God's will, God's glory, and other people benefiting. Can you imagine if churches were filled with people who their intentions were God's will, God's glory, and other people and their affection was a desire for God's will, God's uh, glory, and other people uh, being ministered to. That would be transformative in your family, be transformative in your life, it would be transformative in your church. The problem is, I, I, I'm not simp- I don't have simplicity in my intentions. My intentions are all convoluted and complicated. I got the intention of myself, my glory, my way, and then I've got desires for me. And for what I want or pleasure or whatever the case may be. And this makes me a whole convoluted, complicated individual who ends up circumventing and messing up everything. So I'm going to read the two paragraphs together. By two things or by two wings, a man is lifted up from from things earthly. Simplicity and purity. Simplicity ought to be in our intention. Purity in our affection. Simplicity tends towards God. Purity apprehends and tastes him. No good action will hinder you if you be inwardly free from inordinate affection. If you intend and seek nothing else but the will of God and the good of your neighbor, you shall thoroughly enjoy inward liberty. Can you imagine the inward liberty you would have if your intention was God's glory, God's will, and the benefit of other people? And if your affection, your desire, your love, your passion was God's glory, God's will, and the benefit of other people. That would be some powerful stuff. All right, I'm going to have to stop right there. I want to go further, but then I don't want to go further. I want to go further because I feel like, well, see, I need to continue to fight my desire to go home, (laughs) okay? But I need to stop there because my desire needs to be, most importantly, how to benefit you. And by moving on will not benefit you. Stopping right there and you really contemplating those two paragraphs over and over and over, that's what will truly benefit you. And that's what will truly benefit me. Those are some powerful concepts right there. We could take these apart. I mean, we we really, really do need to take them apart. Even for, I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface on this. 
There's a lot here to consider, a lot here to think about. And I would love to get your thoughts and your perspective. Email me. New, you can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Part of me says I need to stay here and do more. The other part of me says I'm ready to go home. So uh, instead of just trying to make a point, I think I am going to go home. I hope that these two programs on this Christmas Day 2021, this December the 25th, 2021, I hope I've done something that will be productive and beneficial for you. And hopefully God gets the glory. And hopefully I was able to do something in accordance to God's will. Reality is that I'm a conflicted sinner just like you. So there's a lot of desire for, well, well, I hope I hope people appreciate what I did. I hope I get thanked for what I, I hope I get prayed. And see, that's that's the reality that's inside all of us. But hopefully I can learn to be more that my intentions is God's glory, God's will, and the benefit of other people. And hopefully I truly desire God's glory, God's will, and the benefit of other people more than anything else. Never going to do so perfectly. Always going to fall short. But it's something to constantly be considering and thinking about. And hopefully you'll give that some thought. And hopefully it will be a challenge to you as you live your life in your family and as you live in your church or as you, whatever job you do, that those three things will become maybe our intention and our affection because we need simplicity in our intention and purity in our affection. I think there's much to consider. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Uh, Tomorrow morning, Victory Baptist Church, normal Sunday school hour, normal uh, worship hour. Uh, Hopefully we'll produce some things that'll be beneficial. And uh, I hope you have a great Christmas. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for those who listen, who email. Those who never email, if you just listen, I don't never know who you are. Thank you so very much for doing that. Every download is greatly appreciated. It's an honor to be able to to do any of this. I definitely don't deserve it. Uh, There's obviously far more qualified people to do what I do, but I I hope that God will use my brokenness, my sin, and my failure uh, in such a way that I can, as a sinner, communicate to other sinners and that we can all benefit from it. But thank you so very much. Have a great rest of your Christmas day. Or if you hear this after Christmas, hopefully you had a great Christmas day. And uh, I know for some, Christmas can be a very lonely, depressing time. Uh, I hope everything, I, I, I pray that everything will be okay for you. And if you if you need to email anyone, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'll do my very best to respond as soon as possible. All right. Uh, Thank you, Will, for all that you do, and thanks for all of your support over all the years and showing so much mercy and kindness and grace to me when I probably did not deserve it. So, uh, well, that's probably why it's called mercy and grace, right? Because if I deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy or grace. (laughs) So so that's kind of redundant. But thank you for all of your support and to everyone else, if anyone else is listening. Everyone have a great Christmas. I'm now going to drive back home um, through this wonderful It's now 71 degrees outside here in West Texas, and I am so grateful 
my daughter lives in Boston and she says it's snowing. And I'm like, well, that's why you you live in a wrong state. Okay, you live in a state that's been cursed. Okay, that's that's what's wrong. Okay, so all right, now people from Boston are gonna get offended. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. God bless.